exit interview is with John Hala. I've known John uh, as an architect uh, in the central Iowa market, really, uh, since I have been involved at Story. Uh, well, I'm sure hear from John about his uh, personal and professional journey through the profession. Uh, and uh, I'm also sure since his retirement from his firm, uh, he's been active in the community and we'll hear more about that. John is a real uh, even-tempered, uh, even-handed um, person. And I look forward today to hearing his story because while I know a lot, I know there's a lot that I don't know. John Haley. So, you know, I know you pretty well, but there's mm-hmm. a lot that I don't know about you. Where did it all begin? Where Where did you grow up? Um, where'd you come from? Well, I was actually born in Chicago. <clears throat> and then uh, my dad got into computers when they were really in the infancy back in the uh, 50s. So we moved to uh, Baltimore, Maryland for a few years, back to Chicago. And then uh, my mom's health was declining. So we moved to uh, Southern California to get to a warmer climate to uh, benefit her. So I actually went to the fifth, sixth, and seventh grade in South Pasadena. And then I went through eighth through high school in Thousand Oaks, uh, California. And then my, uh, my dad lost his position um, with the company due to a nepotism situation. Fall of my junior year of high school, and he's unemployed for 18 months. And that time in the early 70s, there was a huge aerospace layoff in uh, Southern California. Mm-hmm. And you could not find, people couldn't find jobs. There's guys that had uh, PhDs or bagging groceries at grocery stores just to try and put food on the table. Well, my parents were pretty fiscally conservative, so they uh, had saved enough money that they were able to you know, make it through. But the uh, Long story short, he ended up seeing an ad in the Los Angeles Times for a position in Des Moines with the, uh, it's actually uh, was Job Service of Iowa, now it's Workforce Development. Hmm. And uh, they flew him out and uh, he got hired as their data processing uh, manager. He actually worked under, uh, at that time, there was a commission of, I think, three commissioners that oversaw that. Maybe it's still the same way. Hmm. Then he also reported to uh, Governor Ray. And he had the highest regard for Governor Ray when he met with him. He was just uh, really impressed. Anyway, sure. so I was going to go to school actually in Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, study architecture, had been accepted. Um, but uh, I didn't want to be out in California sure. and have my family here. So I ended up uh, applying to Iowa State and got accepted in the architecture program. And that was in 72. And uh, so what was your dad's training in? Well, he actually uh, had a degree in uh, accounting, and he actually always lamented the fact he never pursued getting, you know, licensed as a CPA. Sure. But he was kind of intrigued with uh, computers. He's really a, he was, he was quite a people person um, and did a really good job on managing um, people. So it was, it was, a, it was a good fit. Um, yeah, so he had to really be self-taught. Then I would guess. I mean, there was right. not a lot of formal training there. You just learned as you went as that whole industry was emerging. Right. I mean, MIS, uh, data, um, computer engineering. That wasn't even that wasn't even an option. You know, in the uh, in, in college. You know, at that time. So uh, yeah, he he uh, learned as he went, but uh, 
he was a pretty good student. Sure. Uh, so did you have any siblings? And if so, where were you in the pecking order? I'm, a, I'm the oldest. Uh, I have a brother who is uh, three and a half years younger, and I have a sister who is nine years younger. My brother and sister-in-law live in uh, Longmont, Colorado, and he actually pursued after uh, – he has his own consulting company um, where they uh, did computer consulting, had his own mainframe um, in his home. And uh, he and his wife um, did that. They actually worked for companies in data processing for quite a while. And then they left and ended up starting their own company. And my sister is in Guthrie Center. And uh, she is married to a, uh, a farmer and uh, lives on a small farm. He actually was a dairy farmer. Uh, but uh, now they're, uh, they do a um, small, small farm. But uh, sure. that's... Uh, it's uh, and neither one of them have uh, any any kids, so uh, we're the only one with the the Halo name. Got it. Continuing on, so. So when you uh, when you were in high school, what were the uh, things that were interesting to you? Were you in band? Were you on the basketball team? Did you have a job? How did you uh, how did you spend your high school years? I kind of bounced around from uh, track, cross country, tennis. Usually played one or two seasons. Never really was a four season. wasn't really. I was kind of clumsy. <laughs> and uh, I can relate. Yeah. So uh, I wasn't a jock. Um, and uh, as more um, interest in terms of classes, it was. It was uh, I enjoyed. Um, I enjoyed the math and I enjoyed uh, drafting and I actually always knew that I wanted to go into architecture. That was really, I never wavered from that. Um, How did you know that? It's just, uh, even when I was a little kid, I liked looking at house plans and my parents looking for a house in Thousand Oaks. Um, I still, I still remember going and looking at model homes. And in fact, um, my kids have given me, a, gave us a, a subscription to a thing called StoryWorth. It's kind of like the same kind of thing you're doing, only it's uh, you write down, they ask questions every week and you write things down. So it's kind of going through it. But I actually have the two page, uh, well, it's one sheet, but it's both sides, print that was a promo for the house that my parents bought in Thousand Oaks, California. That shows the floor plan and describes it and has the elevations. It's on a, it's a very ugly gold yellow <laughs> piece of paper, but uh, I was uh, it's kind of fun. I'm going to scan it and put it in a you know get show it to my kids. Well, why don't you build it? Let's build that sucker. Oh yeah, that, yeah. That way well, you, you can uh, have a place to live. I maybe Ann and I could move there. Well, sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was uh, it was a pretty nice home out there. They didn't have basements. It's just all slab on grade, sure. so kind of like was being built in uh, some in Ames right now. Yeah. All right. So you always knew you wanted to be in architecture. You thought California, but uh, since your family moved back to Iowa, you came to Iowa State. Right. Um, and you were probably pretty new, so you didn't uh, necessarily know much of Iowa, much of Iowa State, uh, many people there. So what did that? Uh, academic journey look like to Iowa State for you? Well, first of all, you know, I always tell this funny self-deprecating story. I didn't, I could never figure out how many, how so much sweet corn could, could be raised in Iowa. And I didn't know that, that much was eaten, you know, around the world, not realizing the corn was actually raised for, uh, you know, feed for animals. Sure, sure. 
and uh, I had no idea what a soybean was or what what that was about. And uh, but uh, yeah, actually coming to Iowa State, I was a I was a came we moved out here uh, middle of August, and the next week, my parents dropped me off at Iowa State campus, and uh, I didn't know a soul. And uh, it was a rough the first week. We were on a quarter system then, so uh, the first couple of quarters was very rough um, for me. I had allergy problems. Um, so that was flaring up. My mom would come up every week and try and you know, coach me and cheer me on and, you know, bring me a basket of food and, you know, try and, uh, it was humid too. You probably didn't experience the humidity, uh, oh. here like you, uh, or in California, like it is here. No, that is, that is correct. But, uh, but yeah, I, um, came to faith in Jesus Christ at the, during my freshman year and really got connected with some, um, a network of individuals through uh, Campus Crusade for Christ. And that made a big difference in terms of uh, providing a network of people to really uh, interact with and to, uh, um, you know, befriend. And that was, you know, paid a, played a pivotal, pivotal role. Um, and, you know, you and, you know, Story Construction and my former, or the company I used to own, you know, actually, we were modeled all the bathrooms in uh, uh, Birch, Welch, Roberts. Well, that was my stomping grounds. My first uh, year, I lived in Roberts, fourth floor, and then uh, on the ground floor of uh, Welch, and then I then the fourth floor of Welch when I finished up my career. So I was a I was a I was a proud dormer. Yeah, well, I, I was going to ask where you lived. So, um, uh, who was your roommate your freshman year? Actually, he was a grad student from Ohio. Um, Dick, some of his name is Dick Winnagle, and he uh, he was a uh, it was a good fit because uh, I was more of a I don't say overly mature, but more mature, not really interested in all the dumb things. A lot of times, that, you know, freshmen you know do not that I didn't do dumb stuff, but you were a firstborn. Yeah, it's a firstborn yeah. quality. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but. Uh, we were a good fit. We enjoyed um, hanging out together, um, but he was like four or five years older. And then after that, it was uh, a mixture of people I knew through uh, you know, through Crusade. So okay, all right. So you uh, you come to Iowa State, and clearly uh, academically, um, there's plenty to do. Uh, talk a little about that, and then maybe uh, other extracurriculars, uh, uh, intramurals, clubs, things like that. Yeah, I say that um, I struggled my freshman year, especially with calculus. That was uh, I was pretty fortunate. I had uh, tutoring every day, <laughs> and uh, um, I still remember the first two tests I took, I flunked, and the next two tests, by the grace of God, I got A's, and I ended up get, getting out with a C. Uh, never looked back. Never had to use calculus again. Was thrilled by that. Um, it's really the um, got involved a little bit with sports with you know, intramurals you know through the house the dorm floor um but uh the, the architecture program was pretty demanding in terms of the amount of hours you need to put in um secondly i also worked part-time in food service um back then if you worked 10 hours a week you got i think you got free broom and then if you worked 16 hours or 15 or 16 hours a week you got like free free room and board which is a pretty good deal, you know, back then. Um, 
so I still remember writing checks for $491 for my tuition for a quarter. Sure. And, uh, so, uh, but in terms of, uh, clubs, I don't think it really was involved with, you know, really clubs outside of really that the network was probably primarily, you know, my, uh, the spiritual network. And then also my, uh, the, uh, student, the, the classmates, you know, going through, sure. cause, uh, sure. especially in the, the last two years were, uh, were grueling from the standpoint of number of hours you had to put in, um, to accomplish, you know, the tasks. And we only had like, uh, so we had three quarters. So we had a lot of work to get done in the course of about, uh, you know, 10, 12 weeks. Sure. And it was a four year program back then. Correct. Yeah. They, back then it was kind of a, it was kind of a, it was convoluted from the standpoint that, I ended up getting a Bachelor of Arts in Architecture, not a Bachelor of Architecture. And just before I came, they had changed from a five-year to a four-year. And then a few years after I graduated, they went back to a five-year. So right. it wasn't really a professional degree. And when, um, where were your classes? Was the Design Center, was that up yet? No, it was actually being, it was being built uh, the last couple of years. Mine was primarily in Marston and Temp J, which doesn't even exist anymore. I think that's where uh, Howe Hall, it, it was just south of uh, Marston. Um, they were all World War II, um, Quonset, two-story Quonset type huts. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't care if you put your hand through the wall in the middle of the night uh, because it was, and you, no one really did it, but the point is, is that they weren't really that particular, you know, on it. Uh, not very well heated, uh, not very well cooled. Um, and then we had classes in, you know, Beardshire for uh, Western Civ and um, Pearson Hall for English. But it's all pretty much in in that, uh, you know, that area. One of the reasons I, I really enjoyed being in architecture, too, is that I had a difficult time with... Uh, chemistry and the higher sciences and we didn't have to take chemistry so we had to take physics um but it was a rudimentary physics that drove our professor absolutely nuts because i remember one time he said if i could use calculus i could teach this in five minutes but now i have to take two whole class periods (laughs) explain the same thing to you you know well guilty as a guilty as a charged uh but uh anyway it was a um and i and I spent a lot of time studying. I mean, I really sure. uh, was pretty, pretty, pretty dedicated student. And uh, so between uh, the class load working um, and then extracurricular with, you know, with uh, crusade, crusade activities, it took up most of the time. Interesting. Uh, I've never heard of classes in Beardshire, but I'm sure at some point there were classes there. Yeah. I, um, it was up on, they were actually on the west side, you know, where they had that half round area. There was like an auditorium uh, up there. I think it was on the third floor, second or third floor, I believe. Hmm. Um, so and then we had, we had, you know, classes in Marston before that was remodeled. Um, sure. So, uh, but I think that was the first year, first or second year classes, but there was no uh, architecture classes it was it was the fundamentals right. like uh it was like western civ um were the ones that went to lecture you know in those so you're a newly minted architect you're ready to go um conquer the conquer the world so you graduate uh, or you're getting ready to graduate uh, where did you go and what was that process like 
Well, my parents were living in uh, in West Des Moines, so over the summers, um, I actually got a job working as a uh, printer's assistant uh, at Farmer's Grain Dealer on Fleur Drive in, in Des Moines. My dad would drop me off every morning on his way to work, picking me up at, at night. So I worked the summers for that for, I think that was three, two or three summers. Um, and then after that, uh, went to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina for a summer. And then the, uh, when I came back, then I was started looking for a job. I actually uh, met, my, met Mary, um, we really started seriously dating at the very end of her class, class periods or studies. Uh, she graduated the quarter early. I graduated quarter late. This just demonstrates, you know, her skill set and mine. Yeah. Uh, what was her major? She was in uh, family consumer science. She was yeah. in there. Yeah. So anyway, so actually the uh, I I interviewed for um, some architecture positions in Des Moines and got a job as a over the summer of seventy uh, six with a uh, architecture firm down there. And then uh, I have one more, some, one more quarter to go. And then uh, after I graduated, started right after Thanksgiving in a full-time capacity. Um, had taken uh, some of the projects I had done, you know, showed them over the, I think it was over, over a spring break between uh, the winter and spring uh, quarters to uh, just try and sell myself and called on a lot of different firms and found one that was interested in hire me on and who was that uh as environmental design group okay yeah did you wear a tie in your first day um i don't think that i did i know that um as i got as i moved forward i did end up wearing a tie every day but uh i think it was a little more casual but uh it was dress clothes that's for sure it wasn't blue jeans and uh I mean, dress clothes from a standpoint that it was, uh, you know, slacks and a nice sports shirt. So. Right, right. So do you remember, like, what your first project was that you worked on meaningfully? Uh, I don't. But I, my guess is it was probably just working on some apartment buildings or small, uh, you know, some small office buildings. Okay. So uh, uh, continue the journey forward. Then, um, then what? Well, I ended up... Uh, Mary was actually working. We were after we got married, and uh, we were living in Boone. I was commuting down to Des Moines. She was working with uh, mentally and physically uh, disadvantaged adults in a, through a program in uh, in Boone, and uh, I was commuting back and forth. And through a variety of of uh, reasons, I ended up uh, um, resigning. Believe as walking by faith that that was. Really need to pursue something different. Sure. Um, and then uh, end up getting. I interviewed with a uh, professional engineer um, who graduated in architectural engineering, and uh, with uh, Sandler built homes in uh, in Boone. Hmm. They had an architect on staff. Um, and actually got job offers from both of them um, within a few days. End up taking the uh, position with uh, the professional. Uh, engineer felt had a little better opportunity to, uh, um, you know, grow and, and develop. Um, but I had a, uh, the guy I sat next to was really elbow to elbow was, uh, 
my grandfather's age and my employer, um, his name was Paul Lilly. He was a, uh, my father's age. And uh, I, over the course of nine years, was mentored by those guys um, in everything from budgeting to detailing to knowing how to work with contractors to uh, thinking, um, uh, I would say, probably differently uh, about the profession of architecture and engineering than what other tracks, you know, may be. But it was a, it was a, it was a great fit. Um, for me and I and I totally indebted to the uh, the, the the wisdom and insight and uh, mentoring that they uh, they gave me. I sat many a many an hour um, at a table next to my you know boss as he would go through and hand draw details. And, you know back then um, everything was all drawn by hand. Everything was you know you you inked things sure. and uh, um, you had electric erasers and I would have. I would have mountains of uh, eraser crumbs on the, <laughs> on the on the side, and sometimes you'd erase so much, the the uh, clear print would get uh, flimsy, and you could tear a paper, and you basically would just absolutely go berserk because you <laughs> you got to tape it. <laughs> sure. So uh, uh, professional engineers, so structural, civil, uh, structural. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And actually. Uh, um, you know, the Iowa code allowed professional engineers to practice architecture. Um, and so we were, he was licensed as a structural, um, but his background was architectural. So we, we did all the architectural and structural work on all of our projects. Uh, we did apartment buildings, nursing homes, commercial projects, uh, historic renovation projects. It was kind of suit the nuts. Um, and uh, it was really, uh, say it was, it's a great experience, uh, great um you know, Litany. It's also where uh, the uh, my the, the gentleman that was like my grandfather's age was. He was a former contractor, um, and so he he would do all the CA. And uh, I learned immensely from him in terms of how to think about things. Even you know, shaping my attitude towards contractors, sure. um, which was which was contrary to uh, what my prior experience you know had been. And that's one of the reasons which motivated me to uh, want to find a different place to work. Also, sure. So uh, with an office in Boone, how far away did you do projects? Were they pretty close or were you, uh, how far did you get from home? Yeah, I think that probably 40, 50 miles. We had some some nice projects in Fort Dodge. Um, um, my, uh, my predecessor really wasn't a, a marketer. Um, he just relied on people, you know, word of mouth. Um, so he was now actively trying to grow it. So actually it was for the whole, for the whole nine years, it was, it was just the three of us until, uh, the grand, you know, his name was Elmer. And when he, when he retired a few years prior to the change occurring, it was just the two of us, um, you know, working together. So, uh, so, I mean, there's a, there's a huge benefit to being in a small firm because you get to get involved with, you know, everything. But, Butcher, uh, baker, candlestick maker. Yeah. But what's interesting is that, you know, they were very, it was a different different attitude towards uh, mentoring young people. Uh, I was not allowed to do any construction administration for over eight years. I mean, I just didn't know enough. I was still, you know, too young, too green. Uh, so it was really only about a year prior to uh my my boss retiring 
and um, you have an opportunity to buy his records and, and access to his accounts that uh, I started actually going out in the field. Um, and um, that's not necessarily what happens, I think, today. Uh, yeah, for sure. So turn the page. Is that how you started your own firm? Yeah, actually, in the, uh, it was fall of 85, he announced unexpectedly that he was planning on retiring and he could eat. I said, he had, I said, he told me I had two choices. One, either find a new job because he was going to be done on May 1, I mean, March 1 of uh, 86, or he could buy me, I could buy him out, which may see buying his records, but he was going to keep uh, five, four or five accounts, all of them that, that produced cash flow. Well, of course. And, uh, and, uh, but he's because he wasn't quite ready to fully retire, but he and he had some relationships with some of those clients, you know, already. Um, and a couple of them, one was working with a foundry down in Perry that I had no real interest in it, and he had a personal relationship. So, uh, but he made it extremely, uh, he made it so that we could afford because I didn't, didn't have any cash. Um, and you were probably had a family by then or were right, starting two kids, yep. yeah, two kids, and uh. You know, it's, it's, you look back and I know it's all relative, but I remember when I graduated, I had a four year degree and I started out at $4 and 50 cents an hour, you know, and I got a big raise, like 475 to go work for him, you know, an hour. So you're talking about less than 10 grand a year, you know, and, yeah. uh, I think that when I ended up after nine years, I was making, still making less than $18,000 a year salary. And the, if we had a good year, the bonus might be a, a thousand dollars or 800 bucks or something like that. So, sure. um, so it was, and Mary had stopped working. We intentionally wanted her to, to be home with the kids. So we were living on a pretty shoestring budget, but then it's, we, we always had food on the table and God always provided for our needs. And so we didn't really, yep. didn't really, uh, you know, we, we were happy. We were content, you know, and, and, and it worked. All right. So you come to work on March 2nd of 1986. And is it just you or did you hire anybody? How, how did you, how did your it's, firm launch? Yeah, it was just me. And part of the buyout was I had to, I had to hire and keep the secretary um, on a full-time position for at least six months. And I think it was partly because he knew I needed someone to help with bookkeeping and, and she and I had a great relationship already. So it wasn't like I was being forced into hiring someone. In fact, I, if he hadn't required, I still would have done it because I knew I needed someone to help out with that. Sure. Uh, and this is, again, this is all pre-computers. So everything's being done by hand. Um, I think that we had just bought an IBM PC that had two, floppy disk drives so to boot the computer you had to put floppy in one disk drive yep. get the get the computer started and then you put one in to store the data and then you had eight 640k to run, operate the program so we didn't it wasn't like getting anything in terms of electronic details or equipment um you got a blueprint machine that stunk to high heaven when you <laughs> ran it yeah so uh yeah so I, it was just a it was the two of us um and then we started uh picking up enough work that uh, it was getting pretty old working, you know, 15, 16 hours a day when you're getting started. Um, I ended up hiring a part-time drafts person and then 
over the course of a, of, a, of a few years, we grew to probably a staff of oh, four, four or five people. Um, had some uh, very, very interesting uh, experiences, which would take probably another hour of podcasts in sure. terms of, and I think that people who have employed individuals know the challenges that you go through. A lot of times so, you can't make it up. No, but anyway, the point is, is that, um, yeah, I started growing. In fact, uh, we ended up moving our biz, our, the company a number of times because we needed more square footage. So we, uh, we moved multiple times within the, uh, the city of Boone and we end up, oh, I think that we were probably, let's see, probably had six or seven, eight full-time employees, um, by, uh, um, you know, early 2000s. I think, uh, the first time I met you, I came, uh, to visit you and your offices were in the livery building, I think. Uh, actually it was two doors to the East. It okay. was the old, it was original telephone building Okay. in, uh, in Boone, uh, eight fourteen seven street, still there. Um, gorgeous facade and building. And we had bought that in 96 and gutted and renovated that. And, uh, it's two story kind of inconvenient from the standpoint of being split floors, but, uh, sure. man, that thing was a tank, you know, it was seven, eight inch thick concrete floors and vaults. And, you know, back then when you had telephone equipment upstairs on the second floor, that was lead acid batteries and the whole nine yards to, to operate stuff. So it was derecho, it was, it was, it was derecho it was, proof. It was derecho worthy back then for sure. Oh boy. Oh boy. Actually, uh, as funny as that there was, it was actually a, a civil defense shelter and uh, they still had uh, tin tins with uh, civil defense, you know, food downstairs. One day my, one of my older sons wanted, one of my sons wanted to open it up and he wanted to try a cracker, which he did. And uh, he promptly uh, removed the contents <laughs> from his mouth. He said, yeah, that doesn't taste very good. So, sure. so uh, from a, from a design perspective, what, what were uh, some of the commissions that, projects you designed in your early earlier days that uh, are um, memorable well one that <clears throat> some of them are really proud of one is the uh we did the addition renovation to the uh public library in boone um and while some might say that uh all you did was copy what was there already um i kind of measured success by how the public received it versus architectural critics and uh everyone was extremely pleased with how it looked and how it functioned. So, uh, that was, that was a big, that was a big project. That was a two, two and a half million dollar project, you know, back then that was in the late eighties, early nineties, um, the church edition master plan for Webster County courthouse. That was probably one. We did a complete historic renovation of the, the, uh, Webster County courthouse over the course of about 10, 12 years. Uh, which included exterior renovation um, and uh, replacing the uh, skylights on the outside, roofing, stone restoration, uh, all the way through on the interior. So we had a we had a very committed uh, board of supervisors that wanted to make sure it was kept as a historic, you know, monument. So that was a that was a really uh, um, long term. In fact, that's where. Uh, had the privilege of working with, um, it used to be Chief Justice uh, Mark Cady, who was mm -hmm. on the Supreme Court and just passed away here, you know, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, he was a district court judge residing in that courthouse, and 
he was very passionate about architecture uh, also. And so we became very fast friends and we worked on that project and restoring some courtrooms, you know, together. So uh, in fact, I have fond memories. Oh, about a month or two before he passed away, he uh, invited us to come down or me to come down and tour the uh, new, uh, um, you know, courthouse or the federal, I mean, the state, you know, court building just by the Capitol, you right. know, and got a tour, you know, with him and, um, it's, uh, he's, a was, it was a, was a, was a great friend and a great ally. So, oh, uh, cool. anyway, then, in, then, then in mid early 2005, six, seven, we'd been doing work for at Ballard school district for, for quite a few years. And then we ended up, uh, um, I think the, a project that really pushed us to the next level was was built was designing the uh, the new high school for sure. uh, Ballard because that was a nine almost a twenty million dollar project and uh, we were very fortunate because that was being designed in 07 and 08 and getting ready to go out to bid and um, that was the only project we had but it kept our our staff completely busy um, you know through the course of that uh, as we all know that was a pretty rough time for construction and yeah. uh, the design profession at that time. Well, so yeah, uh, bef- before we jump to your uh, your move to Ames, um, I'm curious to know, uh, uh, so you were working a lot clearly and you had a young family, uh, what kinds of volunteer pursuits or uh, things did you plug into uh, in Boone? Well, I was active in the uh, local Kiwanis Club, so that was something that was that took time and then also uh, very involved in church activities and also our both boys were involved with little league. And so I coached little league. That was something that I, you know, thoroughly uh, enjoyed. But the one thing that I did, you know, do lament was that um, didn't really get involved as much with uh, either chamber, you know, commerce or other, other, um, um, either non-governmental or governmental, you know, type, uh, uh, endeavors. And I'm very sympathetic to that when you're, when you're young parents and you're raising kids, it takes a lot of time. And we were really dedicated to, uh, investing time and attending, you know, events that our kids were involved with. Yeah, for sure. So how, how then do you, what's your thought process? So I, I know, uh, I'd love to hear the story about how you moved your firm office from Boone to Ames and what that looked like and uh, how hard or not hard that was. Well, we, we had a, we had the, uh, all of our staff actually lived in Ames and I knew that long-term it was going to be hard to um, keep them because they were commuting and they were all starting young families. And I wanted them to be involved in the community. I wanted them to be supporting, you know, their kids. Um, and also without going again into a lot of detail, there's a lot that was going on in our own lives and minds about getting involved with a, a faith community. We were involved with the faith community in, in Boone. And then we ended up getting involved with the faith community here in Ames in 2002 uh, both our boys were involved with that, you know, also. Um, but the, the, the challenge was for, for us was that, uh, one is we, uh, worked in Boone, but we were really committed to uh, the, the faith community and, in Ames. And so, and so were the people, a lot of people were working with me. 
as well too. Sure. And there's a there's a dichotomy there in terms of how can you really give back to a community and get engaged in a community when you're not working in that community. So um, through some conversations with uh, you know staff and and some you know um, really evaluation and, and and through actually you know through a lot of prayer, you just came to the conviction that the right thing to do would be to move the company over to Ames um, and then. Uh, also anticipating that we would follow, you know, after that, um, that Mary and I would, would move over. And it, it certainly helped that both of our kids were living in Ames also. They were both were married at that time, um, getting close to having, or they think they already had at least one grand, one, one grandchild here too. Um, and Boone was a great place to raise our kids. Um, had absolutely no regrets. Um, but we also saw there's a lot of positive things that were going on in Ames. And so that was really a good move and is an important move professionally because, you know, long-term I was looking down the road for, you know, I knew that, you know, 10, 15 years, uh, I'm not sure what the, what the timeline, a transition needed to, to occur. Sure. Uh, I was, I was in the early, let's see, early fifties, mid fifties at that point in time and realizing that if I want to transition and that was, and th- that, it's going to, have to happen probably over names, not in Boone. Um, and, and, the, and the guys made it very clear that those that were, I think, was trying to groom to consider, you know, taking over the company or buying the company out, they said that we're not moving to Boone. You know, we're going to stay in Ames. And, we, and I understand that. You know, I, I get that. Again, sure. it's no no judgment on the on the on the Boone community. It's just they're already invested in the Ames community. So when did you move? When did that occur? What year was that? September of uh, two thousand nine. Okay. And then we moved over here in 2011. And uh, you moved initially to Campus Town. Yes. And I know we're uh, plugged into the old First National Bank building and plugged into Campus Town uh, Matters. Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, we were a very intentional one to be in Campus Town because we knew it was going to be right for redevelopment. We were hoping to be to lend our skills and abilities to uh, to that. I'm hoping to get some opportunity also to, uh, um, you know, be involved with a project or two, if that was possible. Also, we were looking at wanting to uh, develop, further develop a relationship with Iowa State in close proximity to campus in terms of uh, projects on campus would be beneficial also. So, uh, yeah, we found a um, second story. It was absolutely was beautiful. Uh, I looked out, out our, we looked out our windows right on this, on the central campus, mm-hmm. Lake Laverne, you know, the union, it was just, uh, it was just stunning, you know, year round. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so how big did the firm get in that building? Well, we grew up to, uh, 13, 12, 13 people. We really, uh, we, we were in a pretty aggressive hiring mode because we really were starting to pick up additional work. It was really a, it was a really positive move professionally, you know, to move over here, um, and uh, just you know where our firm is located um, does resonate with clients, um, you know, also. Right, right. So the uh, you mentioned the Ballard High School, and I know you were in Campus Town, and then uh, moved from there to downtown. So maybe talk about that and, and just, yeah, some other, uh, a couple other projects that uh, are memorable for you. Well, yeah, the, the uh, we knew we ended up becoming a, uh, quote, casualty of the redevelopment in uh, Campus Town. Actually right. helped reinvigorate 
uh, and helped lead the Campus Town Action Association back in the early, I mean, uh, in 2011, 12, 13, um, you know, time frame. Um, but we were given the opportunity to, to, to buy the first national bank building, but it just wouldn't cash flow. Um, the property was worth more to a, you know, a, a student housing you know, developer. So we ended up moving to the basement of the, and uh, we, we actually wanted to be in the downtown area. We knew that's where the hub, the center of uh, um, the heartbeat, so to speak, of the community was from a business. Uh, and we were really attracted to that. Um, so we ended up renting space uh, in the, uh, the basement of uh, the chamber. Uh, went from having uh, 50, 60 feet of uh, <laughs> north-facing windows on the central campus to one small porthole of glass block that <laughs> it was a little demoralizing um, at times. We were there for uh, a couple of years. Uh, we had actually designed the uh, renovation of the signal building for the Chamber of Commerce. And uh, so we had a good relationship with Dan Colhane, and he allowed us to, you know, we said yeah the basement's empty if you wanted to you know rent that so we rented that uh had some water problems you know one time but anyway we were looking we wanted to still we wanted to find a street presence um and then it was in uh i think it was uh long losing track probably 14 14 or 15 um the building where they're you know on fifth and Kellogg um came available and then uh that's a memorable project because we essentially just completely gutted that, uh, that building, restored the terrazzo, um, restored the ceilings, the plaster ceilings, the 14, 15 foot tall, you know, ceilings and did some innovative things in there, but also try to be, you know, remain true to the uh, overall design of the, uh, of the project. So we right. had some nice projects on, on campus. Um, and then continue to do work with different school districts. We had a lot of work on school districts, uh, Gilbert Community School District, Seidel, um, continue to work for Ballard. Um, I'm trying to think what our projects, there's a- I did some work for Ames. Yep, Ames School District, yep. And also some, also, you know, private uh, industries, uh, work with um, ProLiant, which is a uh, food process, I mean, a, uh, they do both pharmaceutical as well as uh, food grade products. So did some additions for there. Um, oh, and also uh, one of the projects, you know, Story and uh, Halo worked on together was the, uh, the, the beautiful uh, renovation of the uh, Bethany Manor, you yeah. know, long-term care. We did, actually did a number of uh, long-term care projects, uh, Raleigh Home and, and Perry, yep. uh, memorable. And, and just really increasing making the uh, built environment more attractive to um, um, those who um, choose to, you know, live in that, you know, environment or live in that. In a, and so really got on the, on the cutting edge of that also. So just like your predecessor um, got to the point where, Hey, it's time for me to be done. So you can either find another job or buy me out. Uh, you came metaphorically to that same fork in the road uh, with some, young people within your firm. So uh, when was that? Uh, well, we started talking about it probably in the early 2010s, 20, 2011, 12. Um, I really wanted to have a, a, a logical and smooth phase in, phase out, never losing sight of the fact that we were serving our clients and you know, make sure that our clients were served in a way that um, 
was continuous. Um, people don't like change. Uh, the other thing too is, is that for any you know firm that's going or anyone's going to succeed or continue on, they need cash flow. And by this time, you know we were up. Um, I think one time we hit like 13, 14, 15 people. And uh, that's a pretty hungry hippo in terms of, yeah. uh, of, uh, of, of needing cash every month. In fact, they, uh, every year at the end of the year, I always shook my head and I just wondered, you know, how in the world do we generate that much, you know, income? And then, you know, we were, we were paying, you know, well over a million dollars a year just to consultants alone for mechanical, you know, electrical, you know, civil consultants. Uh, you know, we had a pretty high, you know, volume of, uh, of work and, uh, that's a lot of money to, you know, to generate, you know, per month. Um, so anyway, we had, uh, I think it got a little more serious in, uh, 13 and 14, 15, it really started, uh, uh heating up, but it kind of ebbed and flowed a little bit. Um, but then we ended up, uh, toward, it was in, uh, 2016 where um it really took on a, a seriousness we at one time we talked about a phase buy-in um and then we ebbed and flowed through different options but it just decided the best thing to do is really just to have a clean a clean transition where you know one day i own the company the next day they own the company um versus trying to have a um you know dual headship and actually after operating owning and operating a company for just a little over 30 years as a sole proprietor, so to speak, you know, the specter of having, you know, trying to make decisions amongst four people, um, that, that was a little more intimidating. Uh, I, I just, I just didn't see how it was going to work because there's generational differences and that's nothing against them whatsoever. It's sure. just more or less. There's just, there's just a difference, but I brought them along for several years. They served on a board, um, we had a lot of conversations about, um, how things were going to, you know, how, how I thought about things, but, you know, I knew that they were going to do things differently also. So it was, uh, early September of 2016 where the transition occurred. Got it. Got it. So, uh, before we launch forward, cause there's, there's more things forward there. Uh, you mentioned, uh, mechanical electrical consultants. Um, so boy, I'm sure you worked with a, a lot of characters in your day, uh, with, uh, with different uh, design partners, contracting partners. Uh, when I mentioned that, who, who comes up as some of your studies, some of your real go-tos for uh, partners on projects? Well, well, initially it was Pulley and Associates out of Des Moines. Um, Frank Pulley and uh, Brian Dangleser was working there. Ken Taylor was working there and they were, they were steady partners for quite some time. And then uh, Gilmore and Doyle, um, and then uh, we also utilized um, uh, Bluestone out of uh, Des Moines and also um, Dennis Bennett and uh, Dave Lozen. I'm trying to think, uh, forget their name, <laughs> forget the company name um, right now. So those are probably the, uh, those are probably the, the primary ones. I, I'm, I, I was a, I'm a pretty loyal person. Once you start working with someone, you get to know how they're working. You know, you, you want to set expectations for how you're proceeding on, on projects, and uh, that even ebbed and flowed at times. Sure. How about uh, how about uh, construction? So not just GCs, but maybe subs. Who were some 
repeats that uh, that you worked a lot with? Oh, we, we would have everyone from Pritchard to uh, Crook. Um, Converse was on um, uh, jobs. Um, Tri-City Electric. Nelson was on a, a few of them. Um, gosh, I'm kind of embarrassed. I'm forgetting some of the... No worries. But anyway. All right. Uh, so, uh, so you get to... Um, 2016 and you think man this is great i got nothing to do (laughs) i'm just i'm uh i'm just fine but uh i know that that didn't happen so what is what does life look like uh since uh uh, leaving your firm well actually the agreement was i was going to consult and work part-time with the guys intent was it would be for um you know, potentially up to five years. Um, Cause I wasn't like my predecessor. I wasn't quite ready to just, you know, hang it all up. And at that point in time, um, still needed some cash flow, um, also for a variety of financial reasons. Um, so I had always, <clears throat> at, towards the end of 16, I had always um, been impressed by the Ames City Council. Um, through interactions with them when I was on Campus Town Action Association, through uh, uh, shirt tail conversations when I was on the Chamber of Commerce board or you know Habitat for Humanity, and then um, Mayor Campbell appointed me, and the council approved um, me serving on transit boards. So I served actually as uh, ended up serving as president of the uh, Ames Transit Board, which was oversees Cyroid. So. Uh, um, my frequent conversations, interactions with city staff, as well as city council. I was just kind of intrigued by how can I get back to the community and use my uh, skill sets, my leadership. Um, so I started toying with the idea of, uh, you know, running for city council. Uh, I knew that uh, our, our ward, council Mayor P- Peter Rosen was going to, he had indicated he was thinking he probably would not run again in uh fall of 2017. So I uh, was kind of playing around the fringes, talking to some people, you know, about that. And uh, so you did more than just talk. You you acted on that. Yeah. Yeah. So there's actually someone else that was actually, um, we knew that um, Mayor Campbell was thinking about potentially being done running. Or, or being uh, being mayor, her term would expire end of 2017, and uh, so it was another individual in, in the community that was uh, thinking about running for mayor. And uh, he and I were talking back and forth a lot. And he said, "Well, why don't you run for council? I'll run for mayor." And I said, "Well, why don't you run for mayor? Maybe I'll run for council." And we kind of went back and forth. It had kind of this fun little you know interchange back and forth. Long story short was uh, I got a call from him and he said, hey, um, I want you to meet with me for coffee and with another individual. Um, and uh, so I told my wife, I said, well, I know how this is going to go. He's going to announce, he's going to say, I'm going to run for mayor and you've got to run for council. And so when I came home, she said, well, how did it go? I said, well, you better sit down. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, well, why? He says, well, just sit down. So she sat down and said, well, they want me to run for mayor. And uh, she said, what? 
and uh, this person decided they weren't going to run for mayor, and these he and this other person really wanted me to strongly wanted me to consider running for mayor. So, so the, the more the more we thought about it, um, it seemed to be a better fit from the standpoint that um, being relational in nature, um, having led a firm for over thirty years, you know, while the mayor isn't the CEO of a of the city. I mean, you're a representative of uh, the community and I love right. representing clients. So I ended up over the course of about three months meeting with over 70 different people. Uh, and I just asked them to help me think through it to see, is this a good fit? They see me as being uh, successful, you know, looked at my skill sets, my, uh, my gifting and, uh, uh, every person just was very encouraging, saying, "I think that you would do a great job, and it'd be a you know a, a great fit." So anyway, so I ended up um, making a decision and uh, announced in April of 2017 my candidacy for for mayor. So it was uh, it was um, it was humbling, but also it's pretty exciting. And the other thing too is is that um, in in retrospect, it's been helpful because. Uh, uh, I've always, I always enjoyed business in business standpoint and being engaged representing people. There are aspects of business that were always challenging. Sure. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, I never had campaign, never had run for office before. And it's a lot of, it is a lot of work knocked on over 1500 doors, just countless hours. Uh, but there's strategy, there's uh, figuring out things and I didn't run unopposed, had a, had a, admirable opponent yeah so you so, were then, you were elected in september uh seated probably or november, november, november yeah. yeah seated uh at the first of the year oh, well, 18 this this podcast isn't going to scoop anything and I, i'm not going to ask you about your future plans but uh but you have served uh uh served aims in a really um uh, interesting turbulent time for the last yeah. four years that's for sure yeah, it's, there's been a lot. I mean, one, it's, it's a lot more work than what people think. There's a lot of hours put in. Um, you don't do it for the money. Um, and, uh, and, it's, and it just, it's not just here in Ames. I mean, it's going down to Des Moines and dealing with all the issues from the legislature's foisting on us. I mean, you know that from being on a school board, you know, just how you're affected by outside entities. Uh, working with the county, working with Iowa State, um, federal has a little less impact on us than the state does, but still interacting with them, representing them, but getting involved with Iowa League of Cities and representing the city. And I'm doing that because it gives us a better advocacy to represent what the city of Ames you know, needs. So. Right, right. All right. Well, well, we'll uh, start to wind this down a little bit. So you've mentioned sure. Mary and your boys. So um, what does your family composition look like today? Well, we're blessed with uh, eight grandkids. We had we had two sons. Both of our sons had two boys and two girls. Um, so our oldest grandson is turning 16 this summer. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's interesting is that both boys have two boys and two girls. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, the uh, three middle um, cousins are boy, boy on in each family, and then girl, girl, and then girl, girl in each family, and they're within less than a year apart. So they're 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 pretty fast and you know buddies. And then we have a uh, one who's uh, 
six going on, I don't know, like 50 or something like that. Who's a brilliant in his own right. He got it from his mother, his grandmother, not from his grandfather. There you go. So they're, and they're all close, right? They're all. Yeah. We are so blessed. We have a, uh, one of the, our youngest son lives three blocks away from us. And uh, then our oldest son lives six, seven minutes uh, to the Northwest of us. So we're, uh, we're blessed. We get to see them, you know, frequently and, uh, and be involved in their lives, which is really, that that's a blessing. That's an untold, that's an unbelievable blessing. Yeah. I can imagine. I can imagine. I'm just starting that journey a little bit. Yep. So I'm uh, getting to experience some of that. Yeah. It's rich. Uh, so the, now we get to the pearls of wisdom segment. And so as you uh, rewind um, in your head, the, uh, your experiences uh, in, uh, in architecture and owning a firm and so on and so forth, uh, certainly uh, in some volunteer pursuits too. But as you talk to your kids, you talk to grandkids, you talk to young people in uh, considering getting involved in design construction, what sort of uh, pearls of wisdom, what sort of um, encouragement do you provide to them? Well, the first of me is, uh, and this is not just because I went through it, but this, this whole idea of uh, an apprenticeship and mentorship um, was is critical. So um, I encourage people to not look for an opportunity that's going to immediately you know, throw you into the fire, but look for someone or people that are going to really build into you and help you um, develop, you know, specific skills. That's probably one of the things I'm, I think I, I'm most proud of is not necessarily our projects, but the development, the character development and the professional development. Um, we didn't have very many people leave our company, but when they did, they were pretty much snapped that pretty quickly because we started developing a reputation for being incredibly detailed, uh, cost, cost conscious, schedule conscious um, design firm. And so people knew that when they hired someone from our company, you know, they were getting someone that really knew how to, you know, how a project went together and how it was detailed. So, um, that's something that is invaluable. And I think it's, I would offer the same advice to owners and, uh, senior management. You've got to be developing and cultivating, um, the next generation of architects, engineers, contractors, construction, you know, professionals, Um, you know, two is, is, um, it's a team effort. I mean, it's, I always view the contractor as being an integral third partner, you know, in a, in a relationship, it was design professional, it was an owner and it was a contractor and it was a, it was a trifecta, the three-legged stool all need to work together. Um, and probably one of the things I'm, I, I am, I, I'm extremely proud of, I never was, we were never sued. I never had a claim filed. I never had an owner ever say, you better contact an attorney. Do we make, make mistakes? Yeah, we made mistakes, but we always owned up to them. Got them dealt with quickly with a contractor or with an owner. We, we fessed up, not always the nicest or you know, most pleasant conversation. Right. I always stress to people, let me know if you make a mistake. Let's just deal with it and move on, essentially. Um, and in this litigious society and haphazardness that can go on, 
that's critical. And we were dealing with people's lives, essentially. You know, one mistake can cause not only property damage, but life damage. So right. that's that, that's one thing is really be about that. Another one is, I and I, I shared this with people for, for a long time, you know, students that come and talk to me, is be multilingual. You know, in particular, learn how to, how to speak, uh, you know, Spanish. Um, I said, if I had two two qualified applicants and one could speak Spanish and one didn't, I would hire the one to speak Spanish because you have to interact with people on the job site. And we had a lot of very talented, qualified subcontractors um, who had, um, you know, a Latino uh, workforce mm-hmm. and you needed to, to, to communicate with them. So that those are those are a couple of things. Um, patience is a virtue. You know, um, it's a long, it's a journey. It's not a it's not a sprint. You know, right. it's it's a marathon. And uh, but uh, you got to work together. So huh. great. I think that's all we got today. Unless you have any final mic drop moments, a- anything you want to throw in that uh, that maybe had been on your mind that I hadn't asked about. Well, I, I would say this is that my life has been fuller and richer being involved in the community outside of my profession, outside of my faith community and outside of my family. I think that's probably the other thing is, is giving back to the community. That's what, that's what changed when I came over here was we committed to resolve to, and I supported staffing involved and everything from leadership aims to, you know, to volunteering and getting engaged. Um, we have a moral responsibility to, uh, to give back to the community. Um, and, uh, whether you're a design professional, a contractor, you name it, um, you have skills to offer that will benefit the community. Uh, so whether it's involved with the young professionals group or whether it's a service club, uh, whether it's, you know, local government, um, we're just stronger and richer as a community because of, um, being involved. And so, um, and that's when we might speak to people as mayor from young professionals of Ames or, you know, I guess fuel called fuel now or other, you know, the Ames citizens Academy, you name it. I just really encourage getting involved in the community. Uh, and, and it's, it really has broadened my perspective, helps you be more understanding of what's going on with others in the community. Um, because we, we can become so siloed, so isolated right. as individuals. And uh, so there's, it's a huge benefit to that. Yeah, great. Well, hey, uh, thanks a lot for your time. You might enjoy listening to some of the others. Uh, I know sure. your kids will enjoy listening to this. So we'll, we'll promote it on, uh, on uh, some of our socials too once we put it out. It's um, the history of our industry in Iowa isn't really captured very well, at least as far as we know. So this is just like one small way uh, to help people um, uh, hear it and then uh, keep it. So thanks. I appreciate that. The other thing too is that one of the things that's important to me right now is I'm really working on trying to help um, record my legacy, you know, what's going on in history for my kids and my grandkids. I don't know much about my grandparents, know a little bit more about my parents essentially. Sure. Um, but I think that roots are really important and to know and what you're, what you're passing on. And, uh, just one tidbit, you know, I had a grandparent, some grandparents that were entrepreneurs, you know, my brother's an entrepreneur. My sister has entrepreneur tendencies. My, brother, my oldest son is an entrepreneur. So the point is, is that that's a legacy that gets passed on, you yeah. know, also, and I think it needs to be captured. So that's why I, I uh, 
you know, I agree. I think it'd be a good thing to have something that they could always listen to and say, you know, grandpa's gone now, but here you, got, you hear his voice and you hear, you know, just kind of a, bit of a story orally. Yeah. That that's easier to listen to sometimes. So. Yeah. Good. So thanks for doing it. I appreciate it. All right. Uh, be well. See ya. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Man. There you have it. Uh, straight from John's mouth. The journey from California to Iowa and all of the circumstances around that, and then uh, him uh, essentially bootstrapping himself through college and uh, through his profession to be a firm entrepreneur, a firm owner, uh, and really a a mission-driven volunteer, not only in his faith, uh, but in his community. Uh, there's a lot to learn from this and uh, probably a lot that wasn't stated that went along with, uh, with this journey. But we're all better off for knowing John, for having worked with John, and now having him serve our community of, uh, of Ames as our mayor. So uh, we appreciate that. Uh, we appreciate John, and we'll catch you next time.